Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I am here with Jessica. Jessica is an effective storyteller and passionate people first leader. Jessie spent 13.5 years at Google effectively building and leading strong sales and marketing teams, partnering with some of the largest global brands in the world. Woo! I'm like, I can honestly say I've never had anybody on the podcast that worked at Google. So that's that's a <laughs> first for me. <laughs> Um, for Jesse, creating, building, and maintaining relationships is at the core of who she is and authenticity, vulnerability, and storytelling have been the cornerstone of her skill set to get her where she is today as a leader, a podcaster, and a mom. And I'll link your podcast up in the show notes so people can tune in. I mean, they listen to podcasts, so you would think that's like the, you know, it would just connect. Uh, so Jessie has been the key, keynote speaker at Google, Instacart, and the forum. What is that? For, is the forum, it forum? The forum. Yeah, it is an amazing organization actually started by a former Googler um, with the goal to democratize career advancement for women and people of color. And oh, wow. yeah, I'm a mentor and also a speaker there. Okay. I've never heard of that before. That's I'm like, oh, pause. Let's find out about this. <laughs> She has also spoken on numerous podcasts. Mom is in control, mimosas with mom, own your truth, mindful fire, and many more about topics of authentic leadership, infertility, storytelling, and owning your truth. Her passion is working with female leaders and women-led businesses, helping them reclaim their voice and amplify it in an authentic and proven way, both personally and professionally. Her mission is to create community and connection through sharing personal stories to empower individuals and brands to step into their own light, reclaim their voice, and drive greater impact. You can find her on her website or tune into her podcast, This Is My Truth, available on all major podcast platforms. You can also find her on LinkedIn at Jessie Sherleff on Instagram at This Is My Truth Podcast. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Megan, I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. So when you applied, uh, you mentioned that you have gone through, and you mentioned in your bio too, that you have gone through some infertility. And I think this is such an important topic to talk about because there's so much misunderstanding and even some stigma sometimes around it. And a lot of women and men go through it. I think some people don't realize that, um, men can also have troubles with fertility, um, and it gets overlooked, but it's such a, a, such an important topic. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah. So I'm going to start with a story if it's okay with you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I used to live in Chicago. We were just there for 14 years and just recently moved back to the East Coast. And so for anyone who's familiar with Chicago, our mode of public transportation is the L. So I used to take the L to commute to work, you know, when we all got dressed and went into the office. (laughs) Those are the days. Back in the day. Back in the day. I feel like my grandfather. I walked uphill (laughs) both ways. Um, And so I have this very vivid memory. It was a Monday morning. I was on the L and I was staring at my reflection. And I remember thinking to myself, like, you know, I have my makeup on, my hair's semi done, you know, I'm, I'm like dressed for the day and I'm surrounded by all of these people and I'm staring at my reflection thinking they have no idea. They have no idea. They have no idea that I've just lost my daughter's twin brother. And here I am putting like one foot in front of the other, acting as if everything is okay. Because at that time in my life, the way I dealt with things was just to shove emotions down and Mm -hmm. things down that I didn't want to deal with and, you know, put one foot in front of another. And it was in that moment where I realized all of us wear masks, right? And Mm -hmm. um, those moments where we've all felt alone and isolated um, were, are hard. And the way that many of us deal with it are, you know, to put up a wall, at least that's how I dealt with it. Mm -hmm. And so that was my moment of recognizing that we all have our own journeys and we all have our masks, but what if we could all just take off our mask, even for a second, Mm-hmm. And like, what would that do? And, you know, it wasn't, you know, the next day that I like walked, walked into work and I was like telling everyone my journey, because for us, infertility was a journey. It took us about a year and a half to actually get to the point of pregnancy and we were having twins. And obviously we knew that was a, a possibility because we did do IVF. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you still get that shock of like, Oh, I have twins. <laughs> right. And so you're like, I didn't know that this is, you know, like we've been waiting so long to, to have a child and yet now I'm going to have two. And so all of the feels, right. And, you know, we, we hit all the major milestones and it wasn't until, um, our second trimester where, um, we found out that there was something really wrong with our son mm-hmm. and, um, I won't get into the full specifics, but we ended up having to make a medical decision, which was obviously, um, extremely devastating and very hard. Um, but for the life of my daughter and for my own life, we, we ultimately, um, lost our son and, I didn't deal with it. I just, you know, I was at work. I traveled a lot at that time and I was on a plane three days later. And so I just bottled it all up. And it wasn't until that moment on the train where I was like, one, I need help (laughs) Two, um, you know, what would happen if I started to talk about it a little bit more? And so I, I did, and I started honestly just owning it with myself, like realizing I had to unpack a lot of things, but also with close friends and family members. And eventually, you know, got to the point where I had a conversation with my team and I had a conversation with our greater team and then ultimately the organization. And what was so fascinating to me in all of it was one, how common 
Mm-hmm. Um, this is right. I can give you all the statistics. One in eight couples struggle with infertility. One in four women um, suffer from a miscarriage, right? It's, it's so common. And yet to your point, when we were opening, it's so not talked about and there is such a stigma attached to it. Yeah. My sister uh, had a miscarriage before she had my nephew and it was just devastating for her. Like um, we had never dealt with anything like that in our family before or, or that we knew of. Right. Like, cause mm-hmm. they, nobody talks about it. Nobody exactly. like shares. Um, and she was just, I mean, I, I didn't even know what to do. I didn't know what to say. Like all I, all I, all I kept saying to her is like, I'm here for you whenever you want to talk about it, if you feel whatever you need, just let me know. And yeah, it was like that first, that first time that anybody in our family had ever shared anything that guaranteed somebody else had been through something like that. Right. Um, but yeah, it was, it was devastating. And I didn't know that's, that's how common it is. Yeah. And I mean, there's lots of reasons why people don't talk about it. Um, and I, and I understand that. I also truly believe that, you know, I was not ready to talk about it in mm-hmm. when I was going through that. And now I'm definitely more vocal. I'm definitely an advocate, but I've worked through it and healed and continue to heal. Um, and also recognize that I'm willing to be a voice and share my story and, you know, use my voice to, to hopefully impact change because so many people aren't at that point to use their voice. And I'm always hopeful that someone, you know, all of our experiences are uniquely our own, but Mm -hmm. hopefully someone can see maybe fragments of their story in mine and feel less alone. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. That's the whole point of this podcast. <laughs> I know, I know. That's why I was so excited. That and kind of just shift perspectives, right? Like I'm, I, I love, I love all the episodes I do, right? But I love most the ones where we talk about topics that aren't often talked about and maybe even stigmatized because as a social psychology researcher, I know one of the things that helps reduce stigma is contact and the contact doesn't have to be in person. It could be just hearing your story. And so to me, that's really important is to share those stories. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. That's literally the basis of, of my podcast as well, right? To, to create that community and connection through, through sharing personal stories, because, you know, what was so surprising to me as I started to, to share my story more was how many people told me me too. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that every woman or man or, um, you know, person, human that I talked to, you know, had also gone through an infertility story, had also lost a child. Um, but I have yet to have a conversation with somebody where they've looked at me straight in the eye and was like, I just cannot relate at all. Like there's always that common thread that sort of ties things together. We're like, oh, like I haven't had that experience, but like, I know what you're feeling. Like I, I've, mm-hmm. I've been in your shoes from an emotional standpoint. And like, I get that. And I think, you know, the world needs more of that at this moment. Um, I think there's a lot of like divisiveness in the world at the moment. Mm, and if we can only share our perspectives, right. And, you know, you don't always have to agree. Like that's my goal as a, as a mom is to raise little humans who can at least have a conversation with someone who might have different viewpoints or beliefs or, or backgrounds and they don't have to agree, but I would hope that they can be human and recognize the humanness in the other person and move the conversation forward. 
No, absolutely. I agree with you. But I think nowadays it, you know, it ends up being name calling or like swearing at each other. Or I literally had somebody threaten my life one day. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's just wild. Or like, you know, just, um, insulting others. And that seems to be the thing that is happening now. And I, it's ironic because today, as we're recording this, I have just posted on Facebook, um, about, it was a post about how universities are not indoctrinating your children. They're just allowing your children to have uh, a wider perspective because they get to meet different people. They get to learn different things. I had a very staunch conservative, um, U S history professor in, in, um, my associate during my associate's degree. And I didn't always agree with him because I fall on more of the progressive side of the spectrum, but we had some of the most amazing conversations and even debates. And I learned so much from him. He was the most thorough U S history teacher I've ever had in my life. And it wasn't like, I'm just going to focus on the things that I think are important. He covered everything. And I was so appreciative of that, of that. And I learned so much from him. And I think it's so important to have those conversations and he welcomed them, right? He welcomed them in class. And he even said like, the only thing I'm going to do is I will stop you if it gets nasty. Like otherwise absolutely have debates, have conversations. Like that's how you learn. And I think we've lost that. Yeah. I mean, I, first of all, what a gift that, that you had a professor like that. Um, I cannot think of any teachers that I had in my life (laughs) that were similar. Um, and, and frankly that, you know, I was raised in a large Italian Catholic family. There was a lot of conservative beliefs. Um, my grandfather didn't believe women should be educated. He had three girls, mind you. Um, and you know, like just very, very conservative, um, unfortunately very racist and, um, and at the same time and right, like, and we didn't talk about hard things. And so it's been interesting to sort of like, think about that journey, um, for myself and recognize I, it's taken me a really long time to lean in and like lean into the uncomfortable conversations, Mm -hmm. lean into, um, you know, advocating for myself and my family, because for so long, that wasn't, um, I don't want to say it wasn't allowed, but it wasn't recognized and it wasn't Mm -hmm. celebrated and it wasn't, um, acknowledged. And so I, I don't disagree with you. I do think that like, we've lost that art form. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about is, especially as a a mom of, of two young daughters, though, I would be just as passionate if I had sons, right. Is how do you, how do you, how do you lean into those moments? How do you create that space? It sounds like your professor did an amazing job, you know, creating norms and boundaries and allowing people to have those conversations to, to see the different viewpoints and gave you all the tools and the skills of like, here's how you can have a productive conversation. So many of us are like fumbling through it ourselves. And, you know, I know this is like digressing from my infertility story. So apologies, but I just want to share one quick story of, you know, I, as a leader, um, in corporate America, um, you know, we, 
I think this is a buzzword right now. Um, so I don't mean it to be, but right, like you really lean into DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And for me, this is something I'm very passionate about personally. And so I was like the one raising my hand, being like, I'll attend, I'll attend, I'll attend. And yet I still wasn't always like leaning into the conversations as mm-hmm. I was seeing them happen in the workplace because I didn't feel comfortable. It gets it very was, uncomfortable. It gets very uncomfortable, especially as a leader. And um, and I think even as an individual contributor. And so but yet it was something really like I knew at the core, it was like a, a habit that I wanted to break because my habit was like, I would just like sit back and observe. I wouldn't lean in and have the conversation. And so I was attending this, this, um, as a workshop, it was a two day workshop in New York for, um, leaders who had people of color on their team. These people had self-identified were were going through, um, a program at Google and had asked that their managers also go through a subsequent, um, workshop. And I remember someone coming in a new Googler, um, a person of color and, you know, sharing his experience so far. And he said something that has always stuck with me. He said, you're going to fuck it up and you can bleep out the curse. I apologize. Oh no, this is a F-bomb kind of podcast. <laughs> um, and I grew up in New York. I dropped a lot of F-bombs. Me too, and- except not the city like Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, and so it, I just remember in that moment, like my shoulders relaxing and being like, Oh, like it was a permission I didn't know that I needed. And I remember Mm -hmm. going back to my team and my family and saying, you know what, I'm going to screw this up time and time again, but no longer am I willing to not lean into the conversation. And it was similar to my journey with talking about infertility, right? It was, I was the observer. I was the one sort of like swirling around it. And what I realized was you know, when you're not owning your own story, someone else is owning it for you. Mm-hmm. And so how did I take that control of my own narrative? Well, it, I had to one, acknowledge it and two, like lean into those uncomfortable conversations so that I was learning and growing. Um, and I think so often, you know, we, we, we view mistakes and failures as a bad thing and it prevents us from, from, doing amazing things and leaning into hard conversations, but they don't have to be. No, I agree. Uh, you know, like you said, sometimes it's very uncomfortable because we were brought up with certain beliefs and, um, I don't want to say indoctrinated, but I guess you can say indoctrinated to certain things. And, um, when I moved to Virginia, again, I'm, I'm from Canada, practically like upstate New York, more cows than people, very rural, lots of white people, <laughs> lots of straight people, lots of cis people. Like, And know, I was like the opposite. I was in Long Island, but similar, similar situation. Yeah. And so I learned a lot of very closed-minded things growing up. And it really took me moving to Virginia when I was 24. Yeah. 24. Cause even though I had been to college, my college in upstate New York was predominantly white. Um, the first time I went to college. And so I still had not had a lot of diversity. I moved to Virginia, near Virginia Beach, melting pot of people, okay? Like (laughs) so many different kinds of people. And it was a culture shock to me because I was like, what is going on here? Um, And I really, it was very uncomfortable to unlearn the things I had learned growing up. And I, you know, at first I avoided it. Like you were talking about, you just kind of sat back 
But then I leaned into it and I've learned and grown so much that Megan today would not recognize, I should say Megan 10, 11 years ago would not recognize Megan today because I really have become such a different individual. And it was so important that when I, when I get uncomfortable or I feel called out on something that I learn instead of like getting defensive that I learn and I lean into it, like what is making me uncomfortable and what can I do to learn more about this and see where I, where I went wrong or not even went wrong, but where the disconnect was. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're calling out is curiosity, right? And I think that's so important. Um, it's, it's a skill that I think we also often forget about, but it's so, so vital mm-hmm. and being curious about ourselves and our own stories and being curious about others and their stories and genuinely asking questions. And I think this is the part people often miss is like, we so often ask a question for some of somebody, right. And in our head, we're already thinking of like our response to their Mm -hmm. question, but really taking that moment to pause. And this is like my sales background coming up, but like actively (laughs) listen and, you know, respond listen to not respond, listen to listen and actually Mm -hmm. understand where that person is coming from. Um, and I think, you know, so, so often people again, get tripped up and like, what if I say the wrong thing? Or what if I ask the wrong question? Like, listen, when people ask me questions about, you know, something I don't want to answer nine times out of 10, I'm like, you know, I'm just not in a place where I can answer that right now. Like if someone doesn't want to answer, they most likely will tell you that. Um, or they'll just give you like a very shallow answer. And that should be your, again, active listening to include to be like, all right, let's, let's figure out how to move on. Um, but I love that you're calling that out because I think that is one of our superpowers as humans that we so often forget about. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I would like to like go back a little bit and talk about, you said you were on the train, um, and you said you were thinking like, nobody knows what were the next steps for you on your journey? Because obviously you've come a long way from, you know, standing on that train and being like, nobody knows to talking to heads of Googles, heads of Googles, <laughs> lots of Googles, all the Googles, all the, Googles. <laughs> all the Googlers all about it, talking about yeah. to like head honchos in Google about this. Yeah. It's a really good question. I, I said it earlier, I got help, right? So I went back to therapy. Um, that was really, really, um, important for me. And I will also say that it it wasn't overnight. It took me many, it still took me a few years to get to the point where I was like very comfortable talking about my journey to, to large groups of people, um, Mm -hmm. to, you know, basically complete strangers. And so I, I also don't want people listening to be like, oh, she like woke up one day and was like, right. just going to tell the world that, that on the was, train and the yeah. next day you were like, like and the next day I was like, and we're off. That, that was not at all the case. It was, a, it was, a, again, it was a journey for me. It was being curious and unpacking. And so, um, I started seeing a therapist. I started to, to honestly like heal from, mm-hmm um, the grief, you know, there was a point and, and this is just, you know, talking about like the stigma of infertility, like my journey in itself, because we had to make a medical decision, mm-hmm. there was so much stigma attached to that, mm-hmm. that so often when I would talk about Clark, so my, my son's name is Clark. 
Um, I would just say like, and we lost our son. I wouldn't go into the details. I wouldn't, you know, talk about the fact that there was a medical decision. And what I had, what I unpacked was that I didn't even feel worthy of grief. Mm-hmm. And it was such a, I, I, for me, writing was really, really helpful. It was something my therapist encouraged. And, um, what I realized over time was it was a healing technique for me. And, um, and so I just started to write, like I would write letters to him. I would write letters to my daughter. I would write letters to myself and really start to unpack some of those emotions to better understand them. Um, and so, you know, I, again, I like saw a therapist, I started to, to write, um, and in doing so, actually, one of the first things I actually shared was one of the stories that I wrote, um, about that moment on the train. And so it made it a little bit more palatable versus like telling my full story, just yeah. sort of like a, a moment in time about my journey. And, um, I also started to see a coach which was really helpful from a, again, like unlearning perspective and, and it was this journey and it still is a journey. Um, I believe of, of really, um, getting to the point where I feel comfortable leaning in and, you know, now I know sort of what my, my tells are, um, or like the personal development world, they'd say triggers, right? Like I know, or therapist world, like they say triggers, right? Like now I know sort of like, you know, if I'm reading things on my Kindle, like I'm avoiding something, or if I find myself sort of being really silent in a conversation of people that I know I feel comfortable with, okay, like, okay, like now it's my time to get curious with myself and like figure out what's going on. Yeah, I have those, those things too. Um, I do feel like I'm more of an introvert. I get, I get energized when I'm alone um, but I also enjoy a lot. I love being around people. And, and once I've, I've gotten where to the point where I really trust somebody, I'm usually very open, but if I get really quiet and don't talk a lot, that's a, that's something's going on. And I'm, you know, it's, you're like, oh yeah, you might need some time to work through that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been there. And I, I love that you talked about therapy obviously I'm going to school for psychology, (laughs) but I'm not going to be a therapist because I just don't think I have the capacity to hold space in that manner for other people, because I have my own mental health problems. I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, February of 2019. Um, so I, I'm aware we have to be aware of where we're limited, right? I don't want to say weaknesses where we're limited, but mental health is so important. I mean, seeing a therapist changed my life. Yeah, it's, it's so important. And again, it's one of those things. I just think that there's so much to, to unpack and there are so many things that are stigmatized. And one of the reasons why I am so, um, vocal now, and we were joking before we like hit record, right. It was like around social media and like LinkedIn and LinkedIn used to be versus what it is now is I remember like the first time I posted on LinkedIn, a little bit about my story, I literally think caveat it. And I was like, I know this isn't really business related, but then I was thinking to myself, I'm like, but it is business related. Yeah. I spent 13 and a half years as a leader in corporate America, dealing with infertility, then becoming a working mom and then going through IVF again to have my second child. Right. And each of those were a unique game experience in and of itself, but you know, and in one team, I was more comfortable talking about it. And the other team, I wasn't, I didn't tell my team 
um, or my, my leadership team, the team, the leadership team I reported into that I was pregnant with my second daughter until I was 26 weeks pregnant. Like I was, I mean, granted, like we were remote situation, but yeah, you know, it was, it was, um, so I share that because it's different. Every situation is different. And, um, for me, I've had to get really comfortable sort of like understanding what my own tells are and, and questioning myself of like, okay, like what am I comfortable with? What am I not? And then giving myself that grace when maybe it goes against sort of like the quote unquote cultural norms, but it makes sense for me. Yeah. I think it's, it's really important to have an awareness about ourselves. I mean, you talked about like in the beginning about like shoving down the feelings and, and not really noticing what is going on. And I think that's, that's how society has, you know, taught us that it's not, it's not acceptable for you to show your feelings and to tell all of these things. And, and sometimes when I'm talking to people and we're just, you know, sharing things and I'm like, yeah, and I have bipolar disorder and they're just like, what? And but like, it's important that we break down those barriers and show people that it is okay. You talked about how you have two daughters. You want them to know it. it's okay to have feelings and it's okay to work through those feelings and, and feel those feelings. Because if you don't, that can be really harmful, but it's also really important for you to know yourself, know what you're comfortable with, what you're uncomfortable with, you know, who you are, because otherwise you end up in situations that you really don't want to be in. Yeah. And I mean, I think I love that, that you are comfortable sharing with people. Right. And I think that I love how you said it wasn't a weakness. It's a limit. It's also a superpower, right? There's, Mm -hmm. I'm sure parts of, um, bipolar disorder that like you, you lean on in in certain Mm -hmm. ways. Right. And I, I feel the same way sort of about my, my journey. Um, and I think that, you know, it's interesting. Like I've talked to a lot of women, like a lot of women reach out to me and they're like, you know, I, I don't know how to have this conversation at work, or I don't know how to have this conversation with a partner. And, you know, again, every situation is unique, but I think so often like a common theme I hear is like, people are afraid of like the reaction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I still, it's interesting. Like when people like apologize to me, I'm like, I get it. I, I get that that's like the, the cultural like norm to like be like, oh, you lost something. Like, let me apologize. But then it's always like this like very awkward silence. And I feel yeah. like I'm having to like fill it for um for someone else. Right. And so again, like I think that we all have our own reasons for like not sharing our stories, but I also think like other people's reactions of like what you do share, like prevent people from from doing it. Yeah, no, exactly. I get apologies too. And I'm like, okay, um, it is what it is. <laughs> I, can't, I can't go back and change it. Like it is what it is. And I know it's not this, you know, I, it's similar. It's not the same, right? Your experience isn't the exactly. same as mine. And my experience isn't the same as somebody else who has bipolar disorder. And I think, you know, somebody else might not be comfortable, but we're comfortable sharing our journeys. And that's so important because, you know, when we're comfortable, other people know that they're not alone. And that's so important that other people know that they're not alone because sometimes these things can feel very isolating. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, when I first started my podcast and I actually think it might still be in the intro, I don't remember. 
I don't know about you, but I actually don't really listen to my podcast. I like record and then I'm like, and we're done. So when it it airs, I will skip through it just to make sure the sound like sounds okay. And just to make sure I don't have to adjust anything like otherwise. No, I don't because I hate the sound of my own voice. (laughs) Me too. Me too. Well, okay. So the intro of my podcast actually talks about how like we've all had moments where we feel alone or isolated. And I think, you know, this, this conversation comes full circle in that so often, right? Like our experiences are uniquely our own and no one can take that away. Mm -hmm. But like I said earlier, there's, there's always sort of that common thread where you can say, I can relate to that. And that me too was like my aha, where I was like, we all have those moments. What if we can create space for people to share. And so I'm so grateful for people like you and podcasts like yours, where you are creating the space for people to share their stories, because I think it's so important to, again, if you've never known somebody who struggles with infertility or someone who hasn't been comfortable talking about it, right? Maybe you can now empathize in a different way um, previously than you wouldn't have been able to. Yeah. I'm very thankful for the women in my life who on, on social media have been open to sharing about it. Um, I know at least four women, um, that have been comfortable sharing. I know there's far more. I mean, I have like 400 friends on Facebook, so, you know, statistically I know there's more, um, but several have, you know, shared and they're all different. So like, you know, one I know has frozen eggs, like froze eggs and, you know, as trying to decide right now, whether she wants to have another child and she wants to go through that again. Other ones have done, um, like the shots so that they can try to like, I don't know the scientific term, but (laughs) like, you know, get everything ready and see if that helps. Um, and you know, I know one woman who decided I don't need anybody to help me raise this child. So I'm going to go through IVF so that I can have a child on my own. And so every story and every journey between them all is, is different, but you know, it has that common thread of they've all are going through this similar, you know, experience just differently. Exactly. Exactly. I I love what you said, right? A similar experience, just a a different, it's a different human, a different take, right? They're, they have, you know, probably similar, we've all probably had similar emotions. Um, But I think that, yeah, it's just been really eye-opening to me. The more, again, as someone who is raised in a way, it's one of those things, right? Where I know I keep coming back to this. I don't mean to harp on it, but there's just, I, I don't know, like my, my personal mission really truly is to create community and connection through sharing personal stories, because I just think there's such a gift in being able to do that. And also in recognizing that not everybody is able or willing to share their story at this time. And that's also okay. So it's also about meeting yourself where you're at. Um, but you know, I love, like I said, I love podcasts like yours, um, podcasts like mine, where we're creating those spaces so that people can share their stories and feel less alone. Yeah. I've had a lot of women say, this is the first time I've shared, or this is the first podcast I've ever done. I listened to yours and I felt really comfortable with, you know, the conversation and how it's conversational and, and you don't put pressure on people. And I was just like that 
that is probably the best compliment anybody could give me when it comes to podcasting. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I actually just had our two year podcast anniversary or my congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> um, last week. And I, I was recording like the intro cause it ended up being a guest conversation. And I, I thought about what I wanted to say and all I could really say was I'm so humbled by the people willing to share their stories. Cause similarly, I've had a lot of women say like, I've never shared this before. This is the first time I'm sharing this in a public way. Or, um, you know, I also allow people to share their stories anonymously. So yeah, they're right. Um, and so it's just so humbling to me and I'm so grateful. And I remember that when I hit record or I hit publish on my first podcast in March, 2020, which was like an interesting time to start a podcast <laughs> generally. Yeah. Um, I looked at my husband and I was like, are people going to want to talk to me? And then, you know, fast forward two years, over 160 episodes. And I'm just so floored and grateful and humbled by the people willing to share their stories. No, I, I feel the exact same way. And, you know, I think it's, I've had a few people who have been anonymous on the podcast. We actually did one on BDSM and she asked to just be called by her dominatrix name and not by her real name um which I was fine with she's actually a close friend of mine so but I mean I would have done it for anybody not just her but yeah sometimes people aren't comfortable having their name attached to their story but they feel like the story is really important and I and I feel like it's um really important for us to respect that you know and and allow them to go and answer I always say and people don't know this because it's it's never part of the actual episode is like, before we get started, I always say like, if I ask you anything, you're not comfortable with, tell me no. And it disappears. It's, it literally has never happened, but I always say that because I want people to feel comfortable and not feel like they have to answer any of my questions. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, and I think what we're talking about, right. Is how do you create, and this is you know, being in like the psychology world, right? Like a safe space. Yeah. I know that you, that word is like a buzzword right now. It is a buzzword, right? I got to think of a better way of, of phrasing it, but right. Like you're creating, you're using, you're setting the boundaries. You're giving people norms again, the corporate word, but like, right. Like how are you allowing people to know that it is okay for them to use their voice and also what's not okay um, for you and your podcast. And I think So often, again, we forget, like when we're leaning into some of those like uncomfortable conversations or someone sharing something that's uncomfortable for you um, to hear, you know, how do you, how do you give people those tools and how do you set that the space in order for them to do that? I think is is so important. No, exactly. And, And I really appreciate everybody who is willing to be open and, and share whatever they're willing to share, right? Like, because, you know, sometimes I can tell that somebody's, you talked about it earlier where they give you a shallow response and you're just, and, and they take it to a different place and you're like, okay, now I know is that's a place you don't want me to delve into. Cool. Like I respect that. And I, you know, you just go with the pivot and I, and honestly, we talked about this earlier is I think, you know, as a society, we've kind of lost that way to communicate with other people and understand. Um, so as we wrap up the podcast today, what would you like to leave the inspired women audience with? Megan, thank you so much for asking that question. I think for me, you know, we've talked about so many different things during our conversation. And I think there's, that's the beauty, right. Of of conversations happening naturally. And there's like one thing I want your audience to take away. It's 
for so long, I was putting one foot in front of another and I was shoving things down and not dealing with it. And it wasn't until I had several moments in my life, you know, one we just talked about in terms of being on the, on the L where I realized that I had lost my voice and, you know, on the outside, I think anyone looking in on my life, they'd be like, you know, a leader at Google lives in the city of Chicago, has a, has this beautiful home, has two children. And I looked like I had it all yet on the inside, I felt like I was numb and a shell of myself. And it wasn't until I was able to unpack a lot of those things that we talked about during today's conversation, where I realized I had lost my voice and I was going to fight to, to reclaim it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really passionate about helping women to reclaim their voices and own their stories and speak their truth in a way that feels comfortable and authentic to them, both from a work perspective and also from a life perspective, right? Mm-hmm. How do you lean into those conversations and really advocate for what you're what you truly desire and even be curious with yourself and ask like, what is it that I really want? Because so often we're all go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. And not actually asking ourselves, what is it that I truly, truly want and desire? And so I work with women, um, from a coaching perspective, I also obviously have the podcast where I create space for people to share their own stories and share their own truths. And then I also work with brands from a storytelling perspective as well. And so um, I'm just, like I said, I think I've said it like three different times. I'm so grateful for, for podcasts like yours that create space for, for women to share their stories because I think it is so, so vitally important. So a, a truly heartfelt thank you. Well, thank you for also doing it too. I, I love hearing that there are other uh, people out there who are holding that space too, um, because, you know, it's, a, it's important to get those stories out there. It's important um, because somebody may not feel comfortable with me, but they may feel comfortable with you. They may drive with you, but not with me. And I mean, it's not a competition. They could want to be on all of them. <laughs> like, let's just like Pokemon, just collect right? the well, podcast. I think that's it. We, we started the conversation like joking about how like podcasting right? like because from someone coming from sales and marketing, podcasting is like the wild west when it comes to marketing. But that's the, the glorious thing about podcasting is, um, you know, we can, I've like never met so many amazing humans in my life. And so often it's from connections from other, you know, podcasts. Actually, I I found out about your podcast because we had a shared mutual guest and she reached out. Kelly was like, oh, you should be on this podcast. And so I just think that there's, again, there's a gift in that. It's this amazing community of humans. Oh, absolutely. I think a lot of people think it's like a cutthroat thing going on here. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. I've had so many podcasters on my podcast. And I'm just like, this is great because like you, you know, the best place to be featured is on podcasts if you're a podcaster, because the audience is listening to podcasts already. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's not a cutthroat thing. Just so people know, I mean, generally all the podcasters, I know we get along great. And sometimes I will, if I have somebody on the podcast and I know about another podcast, I think they'd be a great guest on. I'll be like, Hey, you should apply. For example, I had, um, Amanda Huffman on and she has a podcast called airmen to mom and she features military women who have been in the military or who are, are, who are in the military. And I've had a lot on my podcast. I'm always like, you need to go apply. You need to like 
check her out. She's amazing. I love that. You know, and so yeah, it's it's just such a it's such a great little community that podcasting is. is. It really is. I love it. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Megan, thank you for having me. Thank you for um, really just leading into being both of our authentic selves today. I mean, I appreciate that so much. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.